Welcome to another live stream. I'm Dan. Wait, we're still. Oh, there we are. We're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. I think, crossing those fingers, that we have fixed all of the uh, technical issues that we've been running into the last few days. Let me adjust my mic here. It was a little hot. I think that's better. And so hopefully, hopefully, this is good. So audio and video are good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Myrtle. Okay, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> Let's see if it stays that way. See if stream health looks good. Okay, let's see if we can get through this without any kerfuffles. I'm, I mean, if I was a betting man, I would say maybe. Oh, I forgot to turn off these lights. Let me do that real quick. They're too bright. They like just distract too much. All right, there we go. Okay, let's get to it. Let's start with the shipping report. It's been a few weeks since we've done a shipping report because we don't uh, ship right around Christmas, a couple weeks before Christmas um, or New Year's just because there's so many delays. So we've resumed shipping this week. It has been intense. Um, we're catching up on three weeks worth of shipping. So it's a ton of fish going out. It's been very busy and it's not been perfect, but it's been very close. The, we've only had two issues um, of fish that were sent. One is one box got delayed and I'm still crossing my fingers that they'll arrive and be okay. I haven't had a chance to check my email this later afternoon, but as of earlier today, um, they had not arrived yet. Um, so, so we'll see. Um, it, it totally depends. if. They went to pick them up and UPS said they're out on a trailer. Um, we can't get to them right now. So if they're in the middle of the trailer, surrounded by a bunch of other boxes, maybe they'll be okay. If they're on the bottom of the trailer, like in the corner by the door where there's some, you know, air, cold air blowing in all uh, on them, then they might not be okay. So it's kind of, at this point, I'm just waiting to see. Um, usually they are, we pack for the long haul and usually even if there's a delay in cold weather, the fish just do fine. And by usually, I, I don't mean just like 51% of the time. I mean the vast, vast majority of the time they're going to be okay. So I'm hopeful, but I don't know yet. So that's, that's one issue. The other issue is we had two fish that arrived and didn't do well for one of our customers. They were black Venezuelan Corydoras. Not sure why. They look great on our end. Um, everyone else we sent them to has had good luck with them, as far as I recall, and we sold quite a few of them. But something happened in this case where they, two of them did not do well for this customer. So that's the shipment report. Um, I, I hate it whenever there's anything bad to report, but when we look at how many fish we've sent, which is a ton, uh, versus how many problems they are, it's it's very, very few. I'll have a report for the entirety of 2021 coming up. I Because of all the catch-up we're playing, um, getting all these fish out to customers that have ordered during the holidays when we couldn't ship, right? Uh, we're kind of have a backlog, and we're clearing that as quickly as we can. So because of that, I haven't had time to crunch those numbers yet. So I'm hoping next week I'll be able to have that for you. But next week's going to be crazy busy too. Um, Monday's shipping day for next week is pretty much full um, and Wednesday's creeping along and we have a big import coming in next week as well. So 
I'll do my best to get it out next week. If I can't, then I'm pretty sure the week after that will have been, we've worked through all this, we'll have sent out all the backlog orders along with all the incoming orders, um, as well as landed the new import and had that taken care of. So I'm curious to see though, I, I haven't calculated the, the shipping success rate numbers since September 9th, I believe it was. And so there's, uh, you know, three months and change of data that I'll need to accrue to that. And I'm real curious to see how we did. My, my gut is that uh, did great, uh, maybe even a little better than, than up till that point, despite the cold weather and everything. I think it went really well, but uh, I got to crunch the numbers to, to know for sure. So, all right. So that's what's going on there. Um, there have been a couple other issues here, not with shipping, but with with a couple tanks that aren't doing well. We have two tanks right now that are problem children. One has Glowlight Danios and Kaithit Danios in it, and the other has Hillstream Loaches and some um, Autosynclus, I think Vitatus is the species, common autos in it. Um, and what happened is in the tank with the Glowlights and the Kaithits, a couple, this just happened very recently, a, a few of the... Um, glow lights started to manifest what I think is velvet. Now, I keep a, an eagle eye out for velvet because I hate that disease. And it's one of the few that we uh, have to constantly keep on top of here. And I'm okay. Let me, I don't want to say this in a way that it means sounds like all our tanks have velvet. That's not the case, but of all the issues that you can have, that's the most frequent one that we see. And it's because we have soft water and velvet thrives in soft water. So um, right now we have one tank that has an issue with it and it's those glow lights and there's Kythet Danios in with them. So anyone that ordered glow light Tetras or Kythet Danios, um, we were not able to send those. I've contacted those customers and they've all got a refund. And, and by the way, when we do that, we, we refund the shipping as well. So if you had an order that was like, I don't know, 10 Kythet Danios and 10, um, I don't know, of another fish that we could send, then in the shipping was, let's call it $20 for easy math. Then what we would do is we would refund the money for the Kythet Danios that we could not send plus $10 of shipping. So whatever the shipping that corresponds with the number of fish we could not send, that gets refunded too. Because we don't want to put our customers in a position where, um, they not only not get their fish, but now they're out the shipping costs as well. That's just not fair. And we don't try to do that thing where um, we hold your money hostage and say, well, here's a store credit. You know, you have to spend more here to get what you originally get the value of what you originally spend. We don't we don't play those games. So um, I believe everyone that ordered the glow lights or the kites has received that that refund and, and should be made whole at this point for the fish and the shipping. Um, and I want to reiterate, this is a very new thing and we caught it super early. Um, like I was saying earlier, we, I have an eagle eye for velvet. We all do here. We're trained to look for it um, because if you catch it early, you have a very good treatment success rate. The problem is it's super hard to see early. It's a tiny little bugger. And, um, 
usually you only see it once the fish is totally enveloped and the, the fish basically looks why is that fish copper colored that's not right you know it's got so much of the parasite on it that it actually changes its color um looks like it has a metallic sheen to it and um you want to catch it super early so we did there were only a few that we saw it on we only saw a few of them but the a few of the organisms on each fish that had it, but they, they've started the treatment protocol. They'll be fine, but it takes like a month to get them through treatment and then through enough recovery that we're satisfied that they're fully recovered and that they're not going to um, re-manifest for some reason. So that's, that's problem number one. A couple glow lights look like they have velvet. And so we can't send the glow lights or the kyphids. Um, the other tank we're having an issue with is we, um, the autos in the hill streams, we've had both species for, well, the hill streams for a long time and the autos for two months, maybe something like that. Um, been rock solid. And now some of the hill streams have started to develop an issue. We've had, we had a, a death, which if one fish dies, it's like, okay, that random, you know, don't know why that happened. But then we had a couple others as well. And so we shut down that tank. Uh, we haven't sent any hill streams um, since before Christmas, like this week when we resumed shipping. We haven't s- sent any hill streams or any of the autosynclus just because we don't know what's going on in that tank yet. So I, I believe everyone that's ordered those has been notified and made whole. Um, if you haven't, if for some reason I accidentally skipped an order or um, something, like I'm human every now and then I'll get distracted and not finish the thing I started and skip something accidentally. Um, please reach out Dan at dancefish.com so I can, uh, take care of that. But besides those two aquariums, uh, everything else is doing fantastic. Everything else is going really well. So that's kind of the report on, I guess, shipping and just kind of what's going on here. What we're, what we're dealing with at the moment for those that are interested in the build of our new fish store, we're building a big warehouse to fill with fish. It's going to be fantastic. We just um, released a newsletter at dancefish.com detailing the progress. There's a bunch of pictures, there's a little write-up, and there's a video there you can see as well. Um, or you can go to the YouTube channel and watch a video if you want about that. So you're kind of up to date on that. So that's coming along. Um I talked to the engineer. They they were planning on uh, doing the, the creek water system this week, however, in the week before Christmas. No, the week between Christmas and New Year's or this week. However, we've got some serious weather. Like it's the high today was negative four. Um, and it's been just super cold to go work in a creek. <laughs> Next week, though, for us, we'll be warm and toasty. It'll be up to the 40s. So I talked to the engineer and it looks like next week, if all goes well, that system can be put in and built. So I'll try to document that. I'll try to get pictures and stuff to show you the process because uh, that'll be unique. Uh, that'll be probably something that folks have never seen before. It totally, totally different way to source water. And I think a really responsible way to do it as well. Um, so a lot of progress has been made and in short order, there should be a lot more progress made too. The contractor did tell me today that they thought I could probably get in there first of next month. 
but I, I'm hesitant to even say that out loud because um, there's been so many deadlines bypassed. Um, so <laughs> the first deadline was June of, of 2020, uh, July of 2021, right? So kind of blew by that one. So I don't know um, for sure, but it's uh, it's coming along. We, we did, I went there tonight and there was power. Um, we've been waiting for the utility company to actually get power to the building. So that's great. The next hang up, which hopefully won't last much longer is we hired an electrician many months ago, <laughs> summertime, long time ago. And one of the first things they did when they were hired was they ordered a, a special panel that we'll need, an electrical panel, to power uh, our three-phase power to our big pumps that work the creek water system and the return system. There's power to the building right now, but it's just to the normal panel. Um, the 110 volt or I, I can't remember, the, the normal panel, single phase panel. The three phase panel has not come in yet. It's still being shipped. It's, I don't know, it could be on a cargo ship delayed somewhere. So until that panel, or, and, and I can't fault the electrician because they ordered it like early, early on. So it's not like something where they just ordered it yesterday. We're still waiting for that panel to arrive. The electricians uh, checking again will let me know tomorrow um, if they can find any information about where it's at or how much longer it will be. Hopefully we don't run into the situation where everything's done except for that panel and now we're just sitting waiting for a panel. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it arrives before the other stuff's done. But... If it doesn't, we will be in the unenvious situation where um, the building will be done, except we can't actually do anything because we don't have the three-phase panel in, so we can't actually run our pumps. So that's one worry that I have. That's the thing that's now going to you know, be the bee in my bonnet, so to speak. Um, but that's the last thing. Like the utility company, they were playing hard to get. I, I honestly did not know if they would turn the power on. Um, I was hoping it would be done this month. It's sometime in January, but I wasn't even sure that would happen. So it's it's kind of like great that that's on now. Um, went there tonight and there was power. So that's cool. Um, now that that's done, work can kind of continue. The We can turn on some furnaces and get some equipment in there that can't freeze. So we couldn't move it in there before and get that all set up. So that's all in process. Um, but now the next possible roadblock is when that panel arrives. So that's what we're waiting on. Then if next week is bitter cold and doesn't warm up like the forecast says, that could be a bit of an issue as well. So there's still a couple things we're <laughs> playing with, but in general, the progress is coming along slowly. And in fits and starts, but I'm starting to be able to see um, the end of the project and actually being able to get in there. I'm starting to be able to envision that um, and think that that could happen possibly by the 1st of February. Now that I said it, it'll be, you know, April, but I <laughs> hopefully not, though. Fish Tank Barn threw down a super chat. Thanks so much, Mike. Happy New Year, Dan. Right back at you. I hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. Thanks for being here.
Now, the last thing I think that um, I need to get to before I get to your questions and comments, I'm not going to ramble tonight as much as I usually do, is the giveaway. So we have a giveaway tonight. Um, there's some leopard endlers and I'm giving away a trio. And this isn't any trio. This is kind of a cool trio. So these guys have been in a 30 gallon aquarium by themselves for like a couple of months. And so they've had all that space and all the food and haven't been out competed or anything. They're like, they're sassy. <laughs> they are fat and sassy. So I think they're going to do really well for you. They're of size that they'll um, have lots of babies if you're into that. If not, they're really pretty. And uh, there'll be a trio. So there's a male and two females in there. So that's what the giveaway is for. So if you would like to be entered to uh, possibly win a trio of leopard endlers, then enter hashtag endlers in the chat. There is an S on the end. It's endlers live bearer, not endler live bearer. So E-N-D-L-E-R-S is the hashtag. So hashtag symbol, pound symbol for those of my age. Um, E-N-D-L-E-R-S, caps don't matter, no spaces. And that will automatically, yes, people are doing it now. So do what the people are doing. That'll automatically enter you into the giveaway contest. And if you win, I plan to send those out on Monday. Um, they should arrive to you Tuesday of next week. That'll do me a favor because I'll be able to clear out a 30-gallon tank to make room for the incoming import. And it'll do you a favor because you're going to get some endlers that have had a 30-gallon all to themselves. Three, three endlers in this big old tank. So they're, they're doing pretty good. They've had a life. They've had an excellent life lately. So I think that that'll be a win-win for you and for me. So that's why we're doing that this week. Um, that is the last of the items, I believe, that I needed to cover today. So with that, we'll start getting to your questions and comments. If you have a question or comment for me, just type at symbol Dan's fish. Um, Select Dan's Fish when it pops up, and that'll highlight for me. I'll grab your comment, and we can have a little discussion here about aquariums, about fish keeping, about fish breeding and raising, about uh, building fish rooms, uh, shipping fish. There, there's a few topics that I'm not great on, like live plants. Bleh, I don't know. I don't know much about plants. Um, salt water can't help you there. Um, but what we try to do here is make the information we give be information that can be counted on. What I mean by that is um, something that we've actually experienced or have observed someone experience, something like that. Not just something that we read on Facebook or something that we heard once. Um, it can be anecdotal, but it has to be strong anecdotal. <laughs> and evidential would be even better. <laughs> so um, that's what we try to do here. So. Sometimes I'm asked a question. I'm like, you know what? I've actually never kept that fish. I don't know. And then in those cases, um, we do a call out in the community and see if anyone in the community has experience with that fish or that situation. So if I can't help you, there's usually someone in the community that can't or that can. Sorry. And if they can't, then you've got a darn good question. <laughs> Please find out and let us all know because we don't know. So anyway, that's how we kind of do things here. We we try to give you actual actionable information, or at least information that isn't just hearsay. So that's how we approach the questions. Um, 
Holy cow, Alexander Engelhart threw down a $100 super chat. Thank you so much, Alexander. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, thanks. Thanks for all the support, uh, both, both here and behind the scenes. We really appreciate um, everything you do for us. Thank you so much. Um, I do want to, before I answer any questions or comments, thank my moderators and welcome. Um, I'm Chevy Fish. Is Chevy Fish here? There's, there's Chevy Fish. Hey, Chevy Fish. And um, Myrtle as well, our, our new moderators. Um, you guys look good in blue. Thanks for joining the team. We appreciate you. But as well as the, uh, I don't want to say old moderators, new, old, our, our existing moderators that have been here week in and week out, um, some for months, some for years, helping us make this possible. Thanks for everything you do. With that, never want to forget like to thank them just because this would be a much, I want to say much worse stream. Uh, this stream would not uh, be nearly as, now I'm not saying the stream's the end all be all, but it'd be even worse without the moderators. <laughs> Bob Purcell, this caught my eye because he's talking about industry equipment. We have the same story on industry equipment. The delays, um, our hour of bad. It just sounds like the delays are bad. Yeah. So for those that don't know, I was in Los Angeles a few months ago, setting up an import station there to receive uh, fish at. And um, you could see the port and you could see all the cargo ships out there just sitting there, just hanging out. Yeah. It's, it's a site I'd never seen before. Um, and all the time I, I was there. So yeah, went back and it was like, it was a different city. It changed a lot since I moved to Wyoming. All right, Chris Robertson. Hang on, Chris. I, I got to wet my whistle. Cheers, everybody. Might have to find an old panel from an old building. Yeah, I mean, at some point, we make our own panel. Like, I don't know. Bob Purcell, do you have a bypass min flow around the tank so you can start your system without dropping the tank temperature. Okay. Do you have a bike? Oh, yes. The, the system can get up to temperature um, before water is sent to the aquariums. Yes. Yes, Bob. Now, I'm not an engineer, um, but we did talk with the engineer about that. And so, once it's installed, I'll probably be able to show that. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but yes, we, we had that discussion. Mega Manulu, I got another order and I'm so happy. I'm glad you got your order. And um, I can't remember, uh, Mindy Lou, if you were one of the folks that had ordered one of the fish from one of the two tanks that's having trouble. But if you were, I'm sorry again. If not, yay. <laughs> Swamp Thing, great to see you have a U.S. breeder for the Kali Jamas. Hamas. What a spectacular fish you brought in and it will hopefully become one of the few dozen established rainbows in the U.S. Yeah, I know that fish is near and dear to your heart. I like it as well. Um, for, for sure. The, I like the Kali... Jamas and the Cali uh, Awalum a lot. And they don't always move very fast. And I'm not sure 
why. I, I think that it's because un, until you see them in person, uh, maybe they don't look great. Maybe they don't photograph real well or something, but both of those I think are spectacular fish. So the um, Calia wallum, for those that don't know, it's it's another kind of like bluish rainbow fish. So you have your lasustris. Let, let's just show this. They're just on my mind because I, I looked at them um, yesterday, I think, and they were all colored up and flashing and looking fantastic. So for, for blue fish, that's a color that isn't always easy to find. You have your electric blue cara, maybe electric blue rams, but like a naturally occurring blue fish, there's a few super blue tetras, but those are like, you know, developed in, in aquariums. In the wild, like trying to find a non-man-made blue fish, they're out there, but they're not as common as most other colors. So with rainbow fish, you've got the uh, the turquoise, right? Lacustris or lacustris. I'm not sure how you say it. Probably lacustris. Um, then you have the dwarf kamaka rainbow, which is like a light blue with a brilliant blaze on it. It's really pretty. And then another flavor is a chilotherina. It's this one. It's called Caliawalum. I don't know if this is the only blue chilotherina out there, but it might be. And so it's kind of got this nice, I don't know what exactly you would call it. Um, like, is that a steel blue? I don't know. But a nice blue color to it. And then it also develops... Um, I'm not for sure if this is a Caliawalum, but I think it is. It's got this nice blaze on it. So, but finding the picture, oh, this kind of, well, that's a different, that's a different one. Ungulum. I've never seen that one. But finding a picture that shows the, the nice colorful blue and the blaze, now that's Caliweb, yeah, is really difficult. So I think that most people just haven't, on the internet, the thing that sells fish is pictures. And um, if there aren't, if you Google a fish and you don't see like amazing pictures of it, then it's, I'll move on. Because there's plenty of other fish that have amazing pictures. The Caliwalm is not a common fish. Not many people have it at all. And so there's not a lot of great photos of it out there. But it's one of those, along with the Caliwalmus, that I think is just one of the most underappreciated ones. Bob Purcell, you can rent those panels as well. Not ideal, but it could get you up. That's good to know. Bob, um, if you know any actual sources where I could rent one, or if we're, if it's like, no, it's going to be three more months out, like even buy one or something, um, would you send me an email, dan at dancefish.com? Um, any pointers would be helpful and appreciated. Because, like... If that one thing holds up the entire project, that, you know, we got to, <laughs> that's not a good case scenario. Rico Stan. Hey, Rico, hope you're doing well. I wanted to say thank you again for your donation to Fish Fam Christmas. You helped make it an awesome event. You're more than welcome. And Rico, I want to thank you. I think that's amazing that you pulled that whole thing together and that it ended up being as, as big and bad as it was. Like, I think that's cool. I think all the work you put into it and everything you did. So thanks right back at you because you made uh, the holidays a pretty cool event here at the Fish Fam. And 
you know, that takes a lot of time, a lot of organization. I, I, I understand there's a lot of work involved in that. So thank you, my friend. I mean, all I did was send a, send a gift card. That's, that's pretty simple, but you organize the whole thing, <laughs> but you're very welcome. And thank you very much. I, I mean, I couldn't even find all the streams that benefited. <laughs> like so many people benefited from the fish fam Christmas, the Rico stand developed that, uh, like there's ones I still haven't seen where stuff was given away. So uh, I think that's awesome. And other folks did things too. You know, I want to acknowledge that, but I just thought the amount of, uh, excitement Rico is able to build up and the, uh, sheer dollar amount value of what was being given away over the holidays was pretty, pretty impressive. There's, I guess there's a lot of people have ideas. And when you talk to any group of people, a lot of people say, you know, this should happen or that should happen, but there's very few people that actually do things. There's a lot more idea people than doer people, I guess I would say. And so whenever I see someone run with an idea and actually implement it and make it happen, um, I don't know if it's like the producer in me or the, um, the business side of me or what, but I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> yes, you did it, right? Because there's a lot of ideas out there. Elaine, these ideas, they're in the air. <laughs> Top of the muffin to you. Donald Drew, how are the orange zebra autos? They're fantastic. So these were just the common autos uh, that share the tank with the hill streams. But the zebra autos, the orange zebra autos, and the giant autos don't. Um, they're in different tanks, and so there's no concern with them. They're doing fantastic. In fact... I'm pretty sure that the common autos are going to end up being fine. But when, in, so here's how we operate our, our business. Our whole goal is to, well, there's a couple ways of describing it. The back end goal that isn't that sexy. It's not like a good, it, it's not like a good marketing phrase or something, not a good elevator pitch to the general community. But the back end is the reason we started this business is I was discouraged. I, okay. I've worked in many levels of the industry from pet stores to wholesalers, to breeders, um, lots of different areas. And so I know the industry really well. I, I know the supply chain. I know what goes on, um, on the back end before a fish ever reaches a fish store. And it really discouraged me that people would buy fish and the fish would not do well for them. And so then the people would get discouraged and, um, shut down their tank and throw the tank in the garage or put it out for sale at a garage sale or something. Right. So I saw this, that the fish hobby in the fish industry, well, the fish industry was creating a lot of churn in the fish hobby where churn meaning someone would come into the hobby and then leave the hobby versus being retained or retention, which is when someone enters the hobby, has success, enjoys it and stays with us for a while. Right? So 
it really bothered me when I would talk to my friends and they would find out I liked fish and kept fish. And what I would hear very often was, oh, yeah, I used to have an aquarium, but all the fish died. So I, you know, stopped or I threw the tank away or I sold the tank or whatever. Right. I heard that so many times. So I was like, why is that happening? And I know I knew why it was happening. It's because how the fish are being treated through the supply chain and at the retail site is not sufficient for people to get fish that are healthy enough that they'll thrive for them. So the reason I started the business was to change that. So the back end goal of Dan's Fish is to change the industry, to change the narrative from that I was hearing from, oh yeah, I used to have a tank, but they all died to, yes, I love my aquarium. You know, it helps me de-stress after work. Um, I can, when I'm, after a long day of work, I can come home, sit in front of the tank for 10 minutes, chills me out, and then I'm like a better, you know, partner or parent or person, right? That and, and I rely on my tank for that, right? That's the kind of experience that keeps someone in the hobby. So that's the back end thing. So how do you do that? Well, you try to make sure that you only ever send fish to your customers that are healthy enough and robust enough that um, they'll thrive for the customer in the new home, right? That doesn't happen with the standard supply chain because the fish are so stressed by the time they reach the customer's home that um, their immune system's compromised and they can't handle any newbie mistakes. So if you're new, you're in real trouble. They can't handle um, any parameter issues like uh, a slight ammonia spike or anything like that. Or the tank could be perfect and they still can't hack it just because they're immune system so compromised, right? That that can happen quite a lot in the current supply chain, in the current practices. So one thing that we do to make sure that we don't ever knowingly send a fish to a customer that could be a problem for the customer is we keep a real close eye on our tanks. Um, if you go to a lot of fish warehouses, there's no lights on the tanks. Some of them you can't even see in the tanks because they use totes instead of uh, aquariums. So you can't really observe the fish very well. Um, and some of them, they just don't have lights at all. So you can't really see the fish or anything. Um, we don't do that. Each tank has its own light and we observe the fish very carefully. And anytime we notice an issue or a potential issue, it might not even be an issue, but we think it might be an issue, then we just... Don't sell from that tank. Um, we remove them from the website and we don't ship them. If we think there's a problem, we contact the customer and we say, look, we don't know what's going on, but my spidey senses are going off. It doesn't seem like these fish are ready to go or they were ready to go, but this last week they've been acting weird or, hey, we just noticed an ick outbreak or we just noticed velvet on that fish. Or I mean, we're upfront about it. We, we consider our customers partners, so we tell them what's going on. Um, and then we just don't send the fish. And so if the orange autosynclus were acting strange or we had had a couple deaths and it seems like, hey, maybe this is a pattern or something was happening, we would just take them off the website. So any fish that's listed on the website, any fish that's available to, for sale, to the best of our knowledge... Um, is going to thrive for our customer. 
It's been through a lengthy quarantine period. It's been observed. It's been fattened up. It's, it's ready to go. Now, nothing's 100% because we're dealing with complex living organisms and complex uh, little artificial ecological systems, right? But that's how we approach things. So if there was something on the orange autosynclus, the orange zebra autosynclus, I think is what they're listed as, um, that we thought, hmm, that's not quite right. They just wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be available. So that's kind of how we handle that. Um, now, every now and then, the, 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 almost always, we, we, this works. Every now and then there can be an issue, though. Like, let's say we had been shipping last week or whatever. Um, okay, let's not even, let, let's make this easier. Let's say that today I shipped out a fish. Let's say today I shipped out some orange autosynclus. Well, if tomorrow they suddenly start manifesting something weird. Um, and I already sent them out today. That's, that's a hard scenario. It's cause I'm like, man, I sent them out and now today they're acting weird. They, the ones I sent out might have an issue, but I'm, you know, that's, that's the one place where this gets flawed. If we send a fish right before something happens, right before we notice something happens, that's where we can miss things. But in general, that's very, very rare and far between. And almost always we catch things. Um, the last thing I can think of that I missed was, um, well, I don't even know if I missed it. We, someone received a gold rose line barb like the week before we, right before we shut down for the Christmas holidays, that one of its eyes was swollen. So it could be that I missed that. Like maybe every time it was checked, it was facing the other way in the bag and we never saw that other side. We usually flip the bag around and really check though, but sometimes they don't, they won't turn. And after like 10 flips, it's like, I guess you're okay. <laughs> right? Um, not always, but there are fish that just will turn with the bag constantly. Um, so maybe I missed that or maybe I, accidentally scraped its eye with the net while I was changing its water or catching it or something, or I don't know what it could be, but that's the last thing I can think of where I missed, possibly missed something, um, and sent it out. Now the fish is doing great, but it's got a funky looking eye, which isn't great for the customer. But anyway, um, that's, that's kind of how we do things here. And we do that because I'm just so tired of people getting in the hobby and having a bad experience and getting out. That's bad for the hobby and it's bad for my business. What's good for my business and good for the hobby is if people get healthy fish and are able to maintain them long term and are excited about it and stay in it for the next 25 years. And their friends come over and they see their tank and then they get their friends involved, right? That, that's, that grows the pie for everybody. So. Um, I know some of you have heard this before, and I'm sorry if it's, you know, repetitive uh, or, or whatever, if, if it feels like I've beaten that horse to death. But um, whenever anyone asks me, is this fish doing OK that I have listed for sale? I'm always like, well, of course I wouldn't have it for sale otherwise. Right. And I, I get it. No, no shade on anyone that asked that. But 
Ah, needed a drink after that. That wasn't even a rant. What was that? A ramble. After that ramble. Kelly Foreman threw down a super chat. Thank you so much, Kelly. Congratulations on getting power in the warehouse. I know. Oh, I was so worried they weren't going to get it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, so basically, for those that don't know, what had to happen was we were all wired. We had the wire run to the building. We had the cabinet connected. We had everything run out to the street. We were ready. We were just waiting on the utility company. And for the utility company to get the power hooked up, they had to drop in a transformer, which means they had to shut down power to that section of the grid. So it's like a, I don't know, three block radius where they'd have to shut down power to or something like that. And so it was kind of like a big deal and they had to schedule it and let everyone know and all that. So um, it sounded like they were going to drag their feet on that quite a bit, but I'm, I'm thrilled that it happened. Whew. It was very exciting today when we went there and it's like, there's power. Now, not everything's wired up. The light switches don't connect to the lights yet or anything, but there are some outlets that have juice to them and there's power to the building. So it's, it's coming along. Let's see here. Is that Killer Kitty 08 with a uh, uppity pointing fox cat, as I call it? <laughs> Thanks for the super chat. Appreciate the super sticker. Thanks for being here. Okay. Chonsworth, I had EBAs, so electric blue Acaras, for those that don't know, and a grout tank staging for my 150 gallon. They spawned a week before Christmas. Now I have a boatload of babies. The 150 is ready now. Should I move the mom and dad? Um, totally depends. If you're like... Okay, if you want the mom and dad to do the work, then you can leave the babies in there for quite a while. And the mom and dad will like take them and show them. I don't know what you're feeding. If you're feeding like flake food or whatever, they'll kind of show them the food and chew some up and spit it out for them and stuff like that. So that can be nice. Um, that lasts until the parents want to spawn again, and then they'll try to chase the babies away. They might kill them. They might eat them because they don't want a cloud of hungry babies around. They might eat their next spawn, right? So that, that love story can, can end at that point. Sometimes before, I mean, sometimes they're fickle parents, but if you want the mom and dad to do the work, I'd leave them in there. And sometimes it's fun to watch the parents raise them. However, if you want to raise the babies, um, and want to get a very high success rate, then you could totally, if they're free swimming and eating on their own, they're past the regular stage, they're out and about and eating. And if you can raise baby brine shrimp or some other food that they're eating regularly and readily without the parents having to do it for them all the time, then you can move the parents. Absolutely. So it's kind of up to you and what you, what you want to experience with the spawn, I would say. I generally... Um, so mine spawn in this tank right here, okay? It's a community tank. So there's lots of fish in here that will eat the babies. So what I usually do if I want to save a spawn is I wait until they're free swimming. And once they're free swimming, um, within a day or so of that, I'll siphon out the cloud of babies and raise them in their own tank and feed them baby brine shrimp. So you can do it that way. Um, or you can leave the parents in it. It's kind of up to what you want to experience. Mindy Lou, mega Mindy Lou. One happy grill here in Texas. Fish came in great. Can't wait for the goby to settle in so they'll stop hiding. Took three days last time. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you got them. Um, glad to hear it. 
man, when I think of Texas and the weather you guys are having right now, I get a little jelly. <laughs> okay. Chat jump. So the next chat I can see is from Mountaintop Puffer Keeper updating us on the puffer fry. If your question or comment was above that, I won't be able to see it because chat won't let me scroll up that high at this point. So if that happened, please feel free to list it again and I'll scroll down and, and get to it eventually. Um, we don't, we kind of ask that you list your question or comment once or so. We don't want to spam the chat, right? That That's just no fun for anybody. But if, if I, if it cut me off and I couldn't see it, then please feel free to leave it again. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, Puffer Fry Update, Day 73, 12 Adolescent Puffers. Now one and three-fourths to two inches long. You did it, man. Yeah. You're, they're, if they're that big, they're good. Feeding on eight-inch European night crawlers, ram's horns, and cherry shrimp. Worms consumed as packs and gone in seconds. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, congratulations. I think you could check that off your list as they have been bred and raised at this point. Almost two inches, two inches or so. Yeah. It's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> Johnsworth, what panel is backordered? Is it a three-phase load center? So I'm not an electrician. I don't know the official term, but it's, uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's the three-phase panel that I believe the one that goes in the building on the wall, I think. But I don't know exactly what a, it's three-phase for sure. I don't know what a load center is versus other technical uh, phrasing for that. Yeah. Sounds about right to me, though. All right. Upper Aquatics, formerly Biscotti Nanya. <laughs> Did this tag work? Yes. See? I just got it. Look at that. Look at that. The tag worked. It's bright orange. I can see your comment. Good job. Yep. It worked it. Now, how do I unhighlight it? There we go. Okay. Let's check our health. Still excellent. Whoa. Of course it is. <laughs> Stream health is good. Cool. 219 folks are here. Thanks for being here, everybody. We always like you joining us. Um, and I uh, hope you're enjoying the stream. Yeah. Tell your friends. <laughs> Upper Aquatics, what about this tag? Yes, I see that one too. Like, I honestly don't ever mean to miss a question or comment that's directed at me. If it's got a bright orange box on it, I will see it unless chat jumps and blocks me from scrolling up to see it or we run out of time and I just can't get down far enough. But besides that, I don't usually avoid anyone. Donald Drew, why don't exporters send female scarlet baddis in their shipments? I don't know, Donald. Um, we have the same issue with a lot of like the Stifodon gobies and the um, Sikiopus gobies, those different fish. Now, the kind of conspiracy theory take on it is that that they don't want us breeding the fish here. And so they purposely prevent us from being able to do that by only sending us one sex, the males, right? 
But in the case of, I, I don't know if that holds up. Um, in the case of like a lot of those gobies, they're not being bred in captivity and probably won't be in any serious kind of numbers just because of their, um, the saltwater requirements for the babies. So I think in the case of the gobies, and I'll get to your question specifically about the uh, Dario Dario, the Scarlet Battis in a moment. But I think in the case of the gobies, what they're doing is collecting, sending us the colorful ones because they think that's what we want in our tanks, like pretty color. So they go and that's what they collect and send to us. Now, I don't know if that's the same with the Scarlet Battis, that they're like, hey, we're going to send the pretty ones because that's what sells. Remember, they're generally supplying... Um, okay, here's the chain. So the the exporter sends them to the importer on our side. From there, they go to a transshipper. From there, they go to a wholesaler. From there, they go to a pet store. Most people... Or a fish store. Most people that buy their fish from the pet store or the fish store... Um, what they want is pretty fish in their tank. There's not really a market for supplying breeders. So there's not enough people out there that want to breed Dario Dario, even though to us it seems like there are, because every hobbyist that wants to breed them laments that they can't find a female. But that's a very small number compared to the industry at large. So there's not enough people that want to breed Scarlet Battis. Um, for the industry to say, we're going to supply that niche market within the market. What they're trying to supply is people that want pretty fish in their tanks because that's what most people want. So is it a question of they're just trying to supply demand? They're trying to uh, supply the demand and sell fish that will sell quickly so they can sell more fish because that's what their business requires. Or it is a question of uh, we're trying to protect our market and only sell males so that no one else can breed them. I tend to think it's the former. Um, there's not many fish that have successfully been like hoarded to where no one ever got both sexes and they couldn't be bred. Like that's, that's a very difficult thing to pull off. So I actually think they're just trying to supply the market demand for pretty fish. That's my take. Now that's completely just me thinking out loud and um, knowing what I know about how the industry works and how other fish in the industry are treated that are not a threat for a different breeding program to outcompete the exporter, like the stiffadon gobies and such. Um, that, that's my take on it. Just a guess, though. Michael Mellier, thoughts on selling Bosmani rainbow fish I've bred if I don't know the collection location. Oh, great, just call them aquarium strain. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, most of the Bosmani available, most people that have Bosmani have Bosmani that are, no one knows the collection location. Yeah, so they, they just call them aquarium strain and then it's no problem because as long as they're sold as that, um, a known collection location won't be uh, compromised. They won't be muddied by accidental hybridization, if you will. So no problem. Almost every Bosmani in every pet store ever, and it is one of the most common, one of the only rainbows commonly available in a pet store is a aquarium strain Bosmani. No one knows the location.
Bob Purcell, I'll send you what info I can. What are your thoughts on an angelfish in a decently planted 40 breeder? I think that would be great. Um, just a sec, got a sniffle. Okay, hang on. I think that would be a good sized home for an angelfish. Now, does it have companions or is it just an angelfish in a 40 breeder? Often that can be just fine. Every now and then, if you put like one angelfish in a 40 breeder, let's say, and it turns out to be an ornery male, not all the males are ornery, some females are ornery, but let's say it's a male, it's more likely to happen. Um, it turns ornery and then kind of harasses the other fish in the tank. That can sometimes be a problem, not always, but it's something to look out for. And to that end, I would put that angelfish, if you're planning on keeping other fish with it, um, with fish that can stand up or get away from an ornery angelfish. They're either fast enough or just uh, tough enough that that's not going to be a problem, but not so tough that they're going to pick on the angelfish itself, right? So just something to think about. I've seen um, a lot of instances over the years where people buy angelfish, put them in their community tank, and they did just fine. And then I've seen others where an angelfish was in a community tank and kind of went aggro. So it can it can go both ways. But if you're talking about an empty, planted, 40-gallon breeder, that would be like a palace for an angelfish. It would do great in there. Especially, like, its own palace. <laughs> okay, chat jump. That's why I'm quiet. I'm searching here. Here we go. Swamp Thing, your video today was jaw-dropping. Is there a particular inspiration for your water system layout? Hey, I'm glad you liked it. Um, and I can't wait until the equipment's actually in there and set up. There's like, okay, so there's this warehouse. The poor plumber. <laughs> here's what happened. And then I'll, I'll get to your, your question, Swamp Thing. But here's what happened. Way back in the springtime of 2021, there were all these delays with COVID, right? They're still going on in a lot of instances. But we were getting crazy lead times um, for the filtration equipment and the water treatment equipment that we need to run the warehouse. Um, people were telling, we'd call one week and they'd be like, yeah, it'll be there in four weeks. And we'd call, we'd talk to them a couple days later and they'd be like, oh, well now it's 16 weeks. And then we talked to them later and they're like, we don't know how long it is now, right? It was just, things were going nuts. So all this equipment was going to be installed by a professional plumber. And so I talked to them um, and said, look, we don't want to get in a situation. And plus the warehouse was supposed to be done in January or I'm sorry, July. So in spring, I was like, I don't want to get in a situation where the warehouse is done, but you guys can't finish your job because the equipment is not here. So I want to order this equipment now, but I don't have anywhere to store it. And they're like, no problem. Order it. We'll store it for you. So the poor plumbing company, we ordered it. And we've had this equipment for months and it's sitting in their warehouse clogging space because there's been so many delays in construction <laughs> that they haven't been able to set it up yet. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait for that equipment to get in there and get set up. And A, because I want to show it off to you guys and I show it off. That sounds vain. I kind of show it off. I'm kind of proud of it. But uh, I... Also, I think it'll answer a lot of questions about how things are happening if you can actually see it in a video and I can describe it. 
And also the poor plumber, I want them to be able to clear their warehouse and get all our junk out of there. We're taking up like a lot of square footage <laughs> and have been for months. They've been so patient, so good to us to store that for so long. Thank you if you're watching. You know who you are. Anyway, the inspiration for it, um, there was once mostly is from kind of first principles thinking, what's our goal? Our goal is to be the fish store that fish would decide to go to if they could decide which fish store they were sent to, right? So if you're a fish in the supply chain, there's all these fish stores lined up and you can pick where you end up. We want to be the place that they want to go to, that they're, that our system is such that they're um, excited about it and want to go there instead of anywhere else. So that's kind of how we looked at it. We're like, what would make the fish happiest? What would give them the best shot of recovering from the rigors of import? And what would help them... Um, get healthy and fat and sassy as quick as possible. And we are like, we kind of brainstormed it and thought, well, one of the best things for fish is clean water, right? Fresh water. And I remembered a time when I had gone to a trout hatchery and what the trout hatchery did is it diverted a section of the Creek and it ran through all these raceways and stuff that they raised the trout in. So I was like, man, that, that would be nice. Those trout had nice clean water all the time. Like that would be nice if we could do something like that. And I started thinking about it and I was like, yeah, that probably would be the best thing for a fish. If it had this constant flow through fresh water and didn't have to deal with any buildup of ammonia or nitrite, it's impossible to get a pneumonia spike if you don't have a place for ammonia to build up, right? Um, all these things. So. I kind of thought, you know what, that actually would be the best thing for a fish if had a constant flow through. So I started thinking, well, could that happen and how could it happen? And sketched some things out and started scoping out some equipment and some ways to make it happen and realized, yeah, it could happen. So then I brought in an engineer and said, look, we're trying to do this thing. Um, here's how far we've gotten the process. Here's how we're thinking of setting it up. Um, and then we worked with the engineer to optimize that. So we changed some stuff. Some of the equipment we thought we would use, we were dead wrong on. It just wasn't the right equipment. But basically the idea for it, um, constant flow through for the fish, came from, I, I would call the first principles approach of what are we trying to accomplish and what's the best way to accomplish that? You're just kind of going from there. So. And in visiting trout hatcheries and stuff over the years, I always like doing that. If I'm somewhere and they have like a trout hatchery or salmon hatchery or somewhere, I like to go go uh, visit that stuff. So I, I'd say that's the biggest inspiration to seeing that amazingly clear flow through system that those places have. And trying to figure that out for, for my place. Thank you, Myrtle, for explaining to folks how to make these orange boxes so I can see their questions and comments. <laughs> Is it Chonsworth? I guess it, would, it wouldn't be Chonsworth because there's no E after the N. So Chonsworth, Upper Midwest, what's the coolest temp you'll ship into? I used to work at an electrical wholesaler and have access to things. Well, cool. Um, 
it, Johnsworth, if you wouldn't mind sending me an email, dan at dancefish.com, um, I can get you information on what the equipment is, what that three-phase panel is exactly. And uh, maybe we can uh, find a, if it's going to be delayed forever, find a workaround. That would be awesome. Thanks for letting me know that. Um, we pretty much ship any time, no matter how cold it is. I know it sounds crazy, but the reason we do it is because we have thick insulation and we use multiple heat packs. Like I use more heat packs in the small boxes I send to my customers than my wholesalers do in the big old boxes that they send to me. Like we're serious about getting the fish where they're going warm and we ship next day. So um, I've shipped out of here when it was 35 below, no problem. Now, it's not a problem if you prepare for it and package the fish accordingly. That being said, why tempt fate? So if you live in a part of the United States, I have a customer that reached out to me earlier today, lives uh, up by the Great Lakes and said, look, next week is going to be like brutal cold. If you want to ship, I trust you, but I just want you to know it's going to be like brutal cold. And I haven't had a chance to get back to them yet because it's been a crazy shipping day. And then I had a live stream right after I finished shipping, but um, I'm going to respond and say, thanks for letting me know. I'll check their weather. If the following week is better, I'll hold off a week. Like if, if it's a case where it's super cold and that's a cold snap and that's not going to last forever, then why not wait a week until the temperature warms up and then I'll ship and it's, you know, less chance something will go wrong. But if it's not, if you live in a place where it's just like, look, it's going to be, you know, negative 10 at least for the next two months, um, then I'll just ship to you. And it's, it's probably going to be fine. Like if, if it was, if I didn't feel like I could prepare the fish and pack the fish adequate to that situation, um, I just wouldn't do it, but we've done it and we've done it for years and we've had good luck. In fact, we used to do it and we'd send the fish priority. So they would actually be in the mail two to four days. And they still almost always got there in good shape just because we prepared for that. Now we ship next day. So they're in transit. Usually I send them out at 5.30ish, 5, 5.30 to UPS. And most fish are dropped off by 10 a.m. the next morning. Sometimes people live a little off the beaten path and it can be noon or can even be that evening, but they're not in transit that long. So they usually do just fine, Chonsworth. But I have no problem in most cases. Um, if you're like, Hey, the weather next on, I'll send you the date I plan to ship. And if you're like, Hey, our weather's real bad that day, but later that week it's going to warm up or the next week it'll warm up. Then I'll check the weather. And if I see the same thing, it's like, Oh yeah, it is. Then sure. No problem. But cold weather doesn't really deter me. I mean, I live in Wyoming. If cold weather deterred me, I could not live here. <laughs> if I couldn't prepare for it and handle it. Crown tail half moon. My male adult breeder angelfish has a cloudy eye. It's in a 30 gallon with a female. She's okay. How do I treat the male's eye? Well, there's some nuance here that I don't know. Is it have a cloudy eye, but it's like, not getting worse in a case where it's like, he's got a cloudy eye, but it's not getting worse. It's not, it doesn't look like it's uh, 
you know, progress and become something really bad, then clean water is usually sufficient. Keep the water clean, keep the parameters good. And he might just heal up on his own. I've, I've had a lot of fish heal up from eye issues over time. And I've had others that I couldn't. I remember a specific betta, a koi betta, beautiful koi betta that had an eye issue. I tried for months to clear that up. I couldn't do it. I finally sent it to Bob Kaler. And I think Bob cleared it up within a few weeks, if I remember right. <laughs> um, it's been a while, but I think that's the right story. But a lot of things will clear up with clean water. If that's not the case, though, um, then I like salt, um, clean water, and five grams of salt per liter. So that's five parts per thousand. You could go up as much as eight parts per thousand, but, but five's good. Um, and, you know, you can keep that there for a couple weeks and see if that makes an improvement. Now, when you add a ton of salt to a tank, it can disrupt the system of the tank. It can kill all your plants. It can kill off a lot of different bacteria or protozoans. And so you can get this die off, which creates an ammonia spike. So same with any medicine that you use, you can upset the balance. So ideally it's a bare tank or you have a hospital tank or something. Um, you have to be real careful if you have an established tank, plants in it, let's say, or a lot of organic buildup. Um, and so you've got high populations of different protozoans and maybe bacteria that are harmless to your fish, at least in the current concentration. But if they all died, it would create a lot of bio gunk that decomposes and you get ammonia and other issues, right? So you have to be careful when you're medicating or, or treating with even just salt. So keep that in mind. But I would just go with clean water and not stress the fish by moving it. If it's been in the tank a long time and it's established and it's happy there, sometimes if you can just keep the water clean, not stress it out anymore by putting it in a hospital tank or something, that can work. It takes time, but it can work. But if it's like, oh no, it's getting worse, then I would move it to a hospital tank if I could and treat it with five grams per liter, five parts per thousand salt for a couple of weeks. Um, if during that time it, just kept getting worse, then you might need to try an antibiotic. Um, I would start personally with canamycin and nitrofurazone. That's what I've had the most luck with, but it'll totally wipe out your cycle. It'll kill all your nitrifying bacteria. So plain hospital tank is what you want with that stuff. Now I always treat with salt when I treat with that. So I have five grams uh, per liter of salt in with the medications. If that didn't work, then maybe it's not a gram-negative bacteria. Canamycin and nitrofurazone treat gram-negative bacteria. So if you try that for a while and that doesn't work, then you could try a gram-positive fighting antibiotic. That would be something like erythromycin, maybe a triple sulfa. Um, but hopefully you can bypass all that, just keep the water clean, and often it'll go away on its own. I think often we use medicines and treatments and create more harm than good, not necessarily because the medicine or the treatment hurts the fish. They can be hard on fish's system, the, the kidney and liver, it's got to be metabolized somewhere. So it does put stress on the fish's system for sure. But um, 
often what we do is we shock the environment, have a die-off, have an ammonia spike, and, and that harms the fish more than if we just kept the water clean and let it heal on its own. So some thoughts, crown tail half moon, I, I'm sorry I don't have to say do this and this and call me in the morning. It's, it's not that kind of situation. But. Chattanooga Ed, punching me in the face with a fox cat as Chattanooga Ed is wont to do. Good to see Ed. Howdy, buddy. I just ran out of water, but look, I've got a backup. Hang on, I'm going to fill my mug again. It's pretty dry down here. Uh, when it's this cold, the winter air gets super dry. It doesn't hold, hold my, I can't even talk. It doesn't hold moisture very well. It all freezes and falls out of the air. And then we've got our furnace blowing here. Um, that keeps it even drier. So, ugh, dries out my voice. Greg Jones, Happy New Year. What are some of your favorite subtropical fish? Greg, I thought of you the other day. Um, would Iliodon fursidens be a fish you're interested in? Uh, trap goodyids? Let me know if that's one that, that would fit your bill. Um, so I think that we could all kind of chime in on this one. So Greg's looking or interested in fish, I should say that can be, what, at about 60, 65 degrees, somewhere in that range, cooler water stuff. So a few of my favorites. I love rainbow shiners. I love um, crimson shiners. I like the darters. Um, I like orange throat darters a lot. I like a lot of the killifish, the native killifish. Um, Leptolucania omata might be a cool one to check out. I like all the fundalus species. Um, let's see here. What else? Let me get through the United States and then we'll move elsewhere. There's so many neat shiners. That's a good place to start. Um, if you haven't looked at it yet, and Greg might already be aware of this, but check out nanfa.org, the North, the North American Native Fish Association. There's all kinds of information, even if you're not a member all kinds of articles and stuff that you have access to here, um, here online, where you can see a bunch of fish. There is a book. Native aquarium fish. Um, let, let me see if I can find it. I think it's by a guy named Goldberg. It has a picture of a, a, a megalotus on it, a long-eared sunfish, Native American. Here it is. American Aquarium Fishes by Robert Goldstein, not Goldberg, and Rodney Harper. I didn't know Rodney Harper was involved in that. I, I met Rodney Harper. Um, anyway, this book is pretty awesome. Looks like it's pretty expensive, but it's one of the best books I've ever had. I, I have a copy of it. I cherish it on uh, fishes from the United States, basically. Sometimes it goes down to Mexico and up to Canada a little bit, but North American native fishes suitable to the aquarium. Uh, great read. We have tons of hidden gems here that would do awesome 
in the type of tank that I think you're, you're thinking about. Um, there's the white clouds, right? Um, if you, if you look over in China, Taiwan, Japan, those areas, there's a whole bunch of gobies that like it cool. There's a whole bunch of cyprinids that are small and pretty and like it cool. Bitterlings are a great one. Um, I've, I've even kept hillstream loaches down in lower temperatures, but these were ones from not, not necessarily so much a tropical region as the subtropical regions. And I'd have to go on loaches.com and check out which ones those were. I think it was a pseudo-mastro guys on, um, was it Chennai? Chennai? Cherai? But I could be wrong. It's been years. But I used to keep those on my patio in Santa Barbara. And during the winter, the tank temperature could, could drop down a bit. Um, South America, there's a lot of fish from Uruguay and northern Argentina. I've been to Argentina. It gets pretty cold. And I have a friend that collected in Uruguay. And they could find fish under ice sometimes up there. So there's a lot of, there's killifish down there, um, like Astrolebius nigripinus which comes from cooler waters. There's also other ones of the Astrolebius type. Um, there's some tetras down there, some Charisidium racovii is my favorite, or racovii, I'm not quite sure how to say it. Um, but it's a hummingbird tetra, like a Charisidium, uh, but it has red fins, it's beautiful. There's a lot of gymnogeophagus down there. Um, I don't know if they'd be too aggressive for the other stuff you're keeping in the tanks or not, but... Um, there's some cool little cichlids. Um, Epistogramma borelii is from there. It can take it really cold. Now, I don't know borelii's full range. It might be that there's some Epistogramma borelii that come from warmer climates and wouldn't do well. But I think it's kind of southern Brazil, uh, Uruguay area. Um, you could look at southern Brazil as well. Um, it used to be called Sinolebius white eye. Now it's like Papo something, I forget. Papalebius or something YDI. Another beautiful killifish can take it cool. Um, what else is down there? Oh, there's several catfish. There's several Corridors catfish down in Uruguay, northern Argentina. Uh, Uruguay area, southern Brazil. I think they're in Argentina too, if I remember right, that can uh, take it cooler. I just don't remember the species. But I, I guess I would look at North American native fish Uruguay, northern Argentina, southern Brazil native fish, and then kind of the temperate zones of um, of Asia. And then if you go down to Australia, there's a lot of the gudgeons and rainbow fish that are native to Australia, especially lower down in Australia, that could do fine. Not all of them. Some of them um, are from the more tropical parts that tropical rainforest northern parts of Australia those might need to get a little warmer but there's some that are far enough down in the continent that they they get pretty cold natively so those are some thoughts Greg um, but my absolute favorites I love rainbow shiners from Cahaba that's my favorite location I love fundulus catenatus the northern studfish um, those are from Southeast uh, United States, Alabama and such. Um, I really love orange throat darters. So we're talking about favorites. That and the Kerasidium racovi are some of my favorites. All right. 
Leo 209 Aquatics. Zebra Auto, best tank size, quantity, and temperature. So for all autos, if at all possible, I'd recommend a good size group. Not because I'm a greedy fishmonger and want to sell you a bunch, but because they're very sociable fish. When they are caught in the wild, they're caught in large aggregations. They tend to hang out together. Um, there's a video on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, I'm not going to think of exactly where right off the top of my head, but where you can see some folks collecting autos and they literally take a net, dip down, pull it out, and they have thousands in there. Like they're in a big group. Now that was probably a breeding aggregation or something, but they're very sociable. So what I would say is tank size, well, they're not a big fish. They stay small. So as long as you can keep the parameters stable, you can kind of go as small as you want. They, I'm not talking like a little betta bowl. I'm talking about a tank with a filter on it and you know some flow and stuff like that. But um, stable water is important. So I think that's kind of the limiting factor more, more than like ideal size. Now with any fish, I would say the bigger the better. So if you have a larger tank you can put them in, they're going to enjoy that more. And as far as how many, I would basically say as many as you can keep together happy and healthy in the size tank you put them in, I would go for it. In an ideal world, I realize there's financial limitations. I realize uh, maybe there's other fish you want to put in the tank and all that. But ideally, um, as big a tank as you can and as many as you can adequately uh, feed and keep the water cared for and everything um and not to the point where there's nothing in the tank but autos and you can't see through it but they like to be in good size groups so rather than actual hard numbers and things those are kind of the principles i think i would go by as far as temperature i think anywhere in the mid 70s sorry mid 70s would be just fine for them um, up to around 80 degrees just fine huck Super excited to receive my first ever order from you tomorrow, Dan. Cheers to the whole crew. Hey, cheers right back at you. Please let me know how it goes. We are always interested in hearing back. And um, we love it when people respond and say, hey, these are awesome. They're doing great. But we also really appreciate it when people let us know stuff that goes wrong. That helps us um, as we're constantly trying to refine our system and do better and it can bring problems to our attention that we didn't know we had. Um, if there's a fish that doesn't do well for someone, the first thing we do is go and check the tank really quick, right? Not quick, really carefully. Quickly go and check the tank carefully to make sure that we didn't miss something. Maybe there's something going on there and we just didn't know, right? We've had people that through a report of, hey, these fish aren't doing great that I got from you, have saved entire tanks that we had because they cued us into a problem that we somehow missed. So we appreciate all the feedback. Um, temperature is great. If anyone can let us know, uh, check the temperature of the inside of the box, right? The water in the bags. Um, let us know how they, how they came. That's very valuable for us. And we have our temperature recorders back. So anyone that places an order and um, is willing to accept one of these in the order in a self-addressed stamped envelope. Uh, all you have to do is take it and take it to USPS and drop it off. Doesn't cost you anything. Um, this will tell us exactly what the temperature was over the course of, of your shipment. 
so that we know exactly what happened. So thanks to everyone that's done that in the past. Um, this last round, I screwed up. Uh, when I went to load the data in, I, I screwed things up. So um, <laughs> sorry to the last couple folks that helped us out, but but I know what to do now. So in the future, <laughs> I won't do that to anyone else. But we've got a lot of good data from folks that have said, yeah, I'll be a temp tester. Just leave a note at checkout. If you order at dancefish.com, um, there's a place where you can at checkout where you can leave us a note. And if you're willing to accept our little temp recorder and just send it back to us, it's already in an envelope that's self-addressed and stamped and ready to go. Um, that really helps us, especially in this cold weather, figure out things as we're trying to navigate constantly shifting weather conditions. So we appreciate all that feedback. Upper Aquatics. Thanks for the clarification. It wasn't a passive aggressive thing. Oh, no, I I hope I didn't respond making you think I thought it was. Quick question. Do you think the fancy autos would do well in a 8.4 pH, 10 kH, 0 GH? My water is weird. Yeah, it is. Like the pH doesn't worry me. The fact you have 10 kH, KH and zero GH, I almost never am taken aback by parameters. I'm almost always like, just keep your parameters stable and the fish will be fine. That's been my experience for my whole fish keeping career pretty much. Um, but I've never seen water like this. I honestly don't know the effect of 10 KH and zero GH. Okay, just a sec. Let me make sure I didn't flip these in my head. KH is bicarbonate, yes. Oh, okay, hang on. GH, calcium and magnesium, okay. That scares me less. In, less. in my head, for some reason, I'd switch those. I was thinking that GH was calcium, and I was like, wait a minute, that can't be right. Um, the reason is, is when I test my water, I test it in grains DGH. That's how I test the calcium carbonate of my water. So it gets in my head that GH is calcium because I'm measuring grains DGH, which is different. Um, and so sometimes... I think wrong when I see these values. So actually that doesn't scare me too much. 10 KH and zero GH, that just means uh, you need some magnesium in there. Um, I think they'd be fine upper aquatics. If you have a little magnesium supplement um, and you can do it responsibly because you don't want to do too much magnesium, that can be real bad. It might not hurt to add, but now that I know, now that I got it straight in my brain that KH is calcium and then yeah, we're fine. Sorry, every now and then my brain does funny things, even with basic stuff. Adrian, what's your opinion on altering pH? I'm trying to lower the pH of 8.2 by using driftwood. Would cherry shrimp and, and guppies be fine in 8.2, or should I continue to lower the pH gradually? Adrian, um, this is a case where I would say steady is better than perfect. So I would not mess with it. Um, I think 8.2 is just fine for cherry shrimp and guppies. I've seen them kept long-term in pH higher than that. And, and 
carbon hardness like off the charts. So I think they'd be fine. Now, that being said, you're doing it the right way. You're using driftwood. Um, if you're using other botanicals, driftwood and things like that, that's going to be a gradual shift. And that's what you want to do. So if you do want to do it, I would say keep doing it that way. It will be very slow. It'll be difficult if you're doing water changes to keep it where you want it. But if you put some driftwood in there, maybe some other botanicals as well, um, and you do small, frequent water changes, more frequent. What I'm saying is <laughs> instead of doing, let's say you change your water once a month and you do 50%. If that's the case, I'm not saying it is, then it'd probably be better to do like 10% once a week or something. Uh, just gradual, small stuff. And maybe that's too much. As long as your parameters are okay, you can probably keep the botanicals cooking in there without too much water change. But the issue is going to be that they take so long to do it. And anytime you change the water, it's going to offset a lot of that progress. So that might make it difficult for you. If it was my tank, I put driftwood in there because it looks cool and the shrimp like to graze on it. But I would not be trying to chase pH personally. 8.2 will be just fine. I assume I've seen it. I've seen it work lots of in lots of cases. All right, one more, and then we got to get to a giveaway. Two hundred and thirty-seven folks here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Appreciate you joining us. Chris Robertson, did you get an electric blue Johannes cichlids in both male and female? I've only seen males thus far. Oh man, I haven't had that fish in a long time, and when I got it, I didn't mean to get it. Um, did I have Mingano or was it Johanna? I can't even remember. I do remember once a couple years ago, I ordered some um, electric blue rams. What they sent me was either Mangano or Johanna. Maybe it was Johanna. And I don't remember what the sexes were. I'm sorry. That was years ago and it wasn't even a fish I meant to get. Um, so, Chris, I don't know. Does someone here know? Is anyone here having trouble getting Johannai in both male and female. That's not one that's dimorphic, right? Where the males are blue and the females are yellow. Is that Johannai? Chris, that might be something to find out. Probably not, but I, I can't remember right now which ones are like that. Okay. Let's do a giveaway, shall we? It's about time. So this is for a trio, a nice big breeding trio of leopard endlers that have been absolutely spoiled. They've been kept in a 30 gallon aquarium by themselves for months and there's not been any competition for food. Just three endlers in a big old tank. They're fat and sassy. If you win, I'll send them to you Monday for delivery on Tuesday, at least that's the plan, or Wednesday for delivery on Thursday of next week. And the winner is Al. Al, you have won. And thanks for being a subscriber since 2020. That's very nice. That's awesome. Um, Al, you have about two minutes to leave us a comment. Let us know you're here because you do have to be present to win. And um, South Pacific, I won. <laughs> kind of. We're waiting for Al. Anyway, um, while we're waiting for Al, let's get to one more question. Jeans Fish, thanks. Now I want to breed. It says dreed them, but I think you meant breed. <laughs> Mitchell Broom. 
I wonder if Dario Dario has some kind of environmental thing that swings the sex ratio, like temp on apistos. Many apisto breeders will shoot for more males to get more sales. I don't know that. Yeah, Mitchell, I wonder too, now that you brought it up. No idea. Al's here. Yo, dude, hail Monger Nation, do the thing. All right, so Al, send me an email, dan at dancefish.com, with your first and last name and your mailing address, and we'll work out the shipping details. Congratulations on winning. Thanks for playing. Everyone else, thanks for playing as well. We're going to end it here. Um, I don't know if Punchy Paints is going next because I'm a bad friend and forgot to ask. <laughs> so if Punchy Paints is going next, that would be in about half an hour. So drop by the Punchy Paints channel in about half an hour just to see, because I don't remember. I didn't check. Sorry, Punchy. Um, you're going. Okay, great. So Punchy Paints will be next at 9 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, so in half an hour. Head on over for Fish Talk and some really cool art. Real quick, this answers that question. Alicia AS, male Johanna are blue, females yellow. See, I thought so. The so-called so electric blue or mangano, both male and female are blue. Okay, so I don't know if that helps our caller with their question, but thank you for clarifying that. I was thinking something along those lines. All right. With that, we're going to close it out. I want to start by thanking my moderators for being here and doing what they do. I couldn't do this without you. Well, I could, but let's be let's be real. It'd be a train wreck. So thanks for being here. Um, and everyone that threw money at us, thanks for the super chats. Really, really appreciate it. Every little bit counts. It's never required or anything, but it it, it does help. We're a startup, and uh, any cash we can put in the kitty helps us as we try to scale this thing up and do what we're trying to do. And so far, it's going well, so thanks for all the support. Um, everyone that questioned or commented or otherwise participated, thank you. If I didn't get to your question or comment, I'm sorry. Just can't get to them all. I try. Can't. Um, everyone who's lurking, all hail the Lurker Nation. Everyone watching on the replay, thanks for being here. You guys on the podcast, thanks for podcasting. And uh, that's it. Until next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. I hope you all have a good one. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.